0: Everybody, Mike here with my special guest, my very special friend Andy Laura. Say hello, Andy.
1: <laughs>
0: hey, what's up? <laughs> why, why that, why that sound? I mean, you've forgotten, you've forgotten some of our other sounds, right? I mean, that's I,
1: I, I have maybe, maybe it's just due to the topic of what we're talking about. Oh, today. Oh, Lord, re- yes, there's relevance.
0: Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Where, where are all my sounds, Andy? Didn't we? We had that movie sound. And we had, yep. um, oh, yeah. I, don't, I don't know where it is. Well,
1: I mean, you seem to eat the last show, or not the last one, but the one before that with the with Kevin uh, number two. It seemed like you were on it, man. Like you had it out. There it is. The crickets? There it
0: is. Oh, no, that's beautiful. That's for me. That's solely for me. Um, but yes, we could do better than that. Anyway, Andy, how are you? Well, what's the weather like in San Clemente, California today?
1: Oh, I am well. The weather is still beautiful. I believe it is in the 80s. It got up to 90 yesterday. The water is like 73 to 75 degrees still. It's unbelievably wonderful.
0: That is ba- for for those of you on the East Coast, that is frigid in the Atlantic, but in the Pacific, <laughs> that is bathwater.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice when you get out in the morning and you try to if you surf, the the, the air right now is actually colder than the water. So that's uh unbelievable. That's nice
0: unbelievable yep. um yeah. and uh and so andy you've got of course your array of podcasts right now you're doing something mm-hmm. with ronnie too what are
1: you doing with ronnie uh well with ronnie that's our facebook live show that we do on Box communities page got it so we're we're doing a a frequent show i mean we'd like to do it week to week but our schedules get a little bit muddied up but um it's been kind of a way to to jump into other topics of conversation happening in and around the community um, we're doing probably like i mean i think we're gonna do like six weeks on talking about um power dynamics and leadership and you know after all the willow creek stuff mm-hmm. and all of that it just seemed like it was it'd be a worthy conversation to pull in some voices around how did we arrive at such a power structure how did you know what what is our critique mm-hmm. uh, what's the alternatives yeah
0: oh wow that'll uh, be that'll be fantastic, bud. <laughs> um, cause you're, you're a man who's always sought power. We, we all, you know, we, we all right. know that if right. we know you no. but that's, I think that's right. really good. That'll be very interesting. So yeah. that's on the Vox community Thanks. Facebook page.
1: That's on the Vox community Facebook page. And then, um, I've talked about it on the show before, but, um, that app anchor, you know, yeah. that does a like, podcasting like right from your phone. So, um, I, uh, I, I decided, I, I joined in on some other friends that are doing keto so they were like, "Let's try keto for thirty days, right?" Oh, wow, the diet and um, the diet, right? Because keto like, to me sounds like a martial art, right? <laughs> Judo, keto, karate, yeah, yeah, it's all it's all in there. Um, it's the martial arts of eating a certain way. Um, but anyhow, <laughs> I thought it would be fun to to actually try and do a podcast on Anchor that's just about like me doing thirty days of keto. So wow. I'm going to give that a shot. So i I'll, I'll post some stuff even on my website at andylikeswords.com and, and see how that goes. But I just wanted to try the platform and, and see how how well it went. just yeah
0: how How's that different from just doing a voice memo? does it does it can you edit? Can you polish it up more? Or,
1: Yep, you can edit. It has actual mobile editing tools right in the app. So you can slice and dice, cut stuff out. It gives you, once you do a recording right after it, it even offers some background music if you want to do like background music for the whole show. Come on. But what, yeah, but what's cool is then once you finish the show, it does have publishing that goes out to multiple platform so you can publish to itunes right from anchor wow so that so that's that's the difference with voice memos you're actually just doing the audio recording so yeah. in this case you're actually you're it streamlines the one of the bigger hangups for folks who get into podcasting it takes out a lot of the technical work so Got that's it. that's the beauty of it as i think that that's why i'm excited about it to see if it really catches on but um you know yeah it's cool i'm, I'm checking it out oh, i love
0: it yeah. yeah um yeah we do have a bit of a depressing topic today though Um. I, I want to talk a little bit about the the guy in Southern California. I didn't know him. Um, right. but he's a pastor. He was 30 at a church called Inland Hills in Chino. Um mm-hmm. and he took his own life uh last week, right? It was last week. Uh yep. Yeah, it was last week. And yeah. um and, and I was, you know, I was just really struck and kind of hit with um because, because the thing that the thing that was absolutely crazy was that a couple of weeks before he took his life, he actually went before his church and kind of talked about the nervous breakdown he'd had and and right, the journey right. towards health and wholeness. And I actually watched that teaching, and mm-hmm. you know, it, it was it was um, it it was surreal because he right. he you know came across, of course. Um, Relatively healthy, and he was up there with his his uh, his wife, and the, she seemed to be pumped to be back to the church, and and so I, I think there, um, you know, we've talked every now and again, of course, about mental health issues, but uh, I, I, I was there was just something about this one that really hit, um, and so I, I went on and I watched the the sermon a couple of weeks ago. It was like I think, I think it was like August twelfth. Where he kind of opened up about it and um and right. they were, they were so like I, I related to it on a personal level, of course, but but also you know along the lines of conversations we've been having for years and years and years about um about mental health in the church and uh, mental health as it's seen in some parts of the faith community and uh and 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 and, and so I just wanted to talk a little bit and, and get your thoughts um mm-hmm. on this uh i don't know how much th- did it get a lot of uh coverage out there because he was oh relatively my local
1: oh yeah like my facebook feed and twitter feed was literally flooded like i couldn't like the day a couple like the day after whatever it was i mean i i popped on facebook and there was at least maybe 10 or 15 people who were sharing it and posting it i mean that's because oh. you know working in you know working in the church space obviously so there's a lot of different leaders that knew him um, but then there was actually friends like you know one degree. I think Ronnie, I can't remember if Ronnie knew like has met him or has worked with him, but I think he knows. He's like two degrees from him. He's like he knows him. Like he was like, oh, oh yeah, man. like I've, I've met him, I've hung out with him. And so, um, you know, yeah, that was a, uh, yeah, it's so it's been it's it's definitely been um, present over here and a topic of conversation with us for sure.
0: Um, and and then his wife posted. An unbelievably heartbreaking kind of letter to him mm-hmm. on on their blog, and right. I didn't uh, get a chance to
1: read that. I saw it floating around, but I didn't get a chance oh to read that. Yet. Oh my goodness!
0: Oh, it's like I'm I'm gonna save it just because it's. Uh, I mean, how do you even write something like that? But, um, it, it's incredible. You know, she she, um obviously speaks to him out of the rawness of her heart. But she says some things about his journey. She, she says, you were right all along. I truly didn't understand the depths of your depression and anxiety. I didn't understand mm. how real and relentless the spiritual attacks were. Mm. Um, uh, Andrew, I want to tell you from the depths of my heart and my pain, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry you were scared. I'm so sorry you felt alone. I'm so sorry you felt misunderstood. I'm so sorry you felt betrayed and deeply Ugh. hurt by the words and actions of others. And, mm-hmm. and that's the, that's the one where I just went, well, that's why we got to talk about this again, right? We just right. got to keep this conversation. I'm mm-hmm. sorry you were fighting a dark spiritual war virtually alone. I'm sorry you were unable to fully get the help and support you needed. Um, I mean, it's, it's an unbelievable, unbelievable letter, uh, you know, and, um, but there were some parts. So, so, the thing the thing that that resonated, of course, was the the feeling of, you know, she said betrayal and you were hurt by others. And because we're still we're even though this is a much more common topic, we're still trying to figure out how to talk about it well and how to minister to people who are in the middle of it, whatever else. And right. there were some things in his story, Andy, that I, I found so um I found so interesting. He was he was preaching a sermon. And it was about hitting a wall. And he was telling his story about how he he hit a wall. His dad was diagnosed with leukemia. He had like seven years ago, but that was a four-year journey. They they started having stalkers, like a stalker showed up at their house. They had to move. Oh. Um, he had a couple of surgeries. Um, and hmm. he, and he just kind of hit he just kind of hit a wall at, at one point. And you know, even admitted that he went to a hospital, you know, for this. He he couldn't even be wheeled, like he couldn't walk in, they had to wheel him in. He was incoherent. Oh. Um, uh, and and the thing that he noticed that was so interesting to me as as a church guy is that on the one hand, his church life was exploding. You know, he was saying, you know, we've got the the biggest attendance and greatest giving budget that right. we've we've ever had. Um, you know, he, he was talking about preaching seven Easter services and, you know, doing all of that stuff. And, and then he, and he said, but, but on the inside I was crumbling and what no yeah. one seems to notice, um, <laughs> or at least comment on in the middle of it is that those things go together, right. like the rocket right. ship up causing the crumbling of the person, Right, I mean, he, he was—he was just saying, "Well, isn't that an interesting juxtaposition?" And I want to say, "No, no, there's a causal relationship uh, yeah, between that, right? right? Yeah, that—that that we've been so marinated in the idea of success and performance. I mean, I used to do—I used to do Andy five services a weekend. All right, Saturday night two Sunday morning two Sunday night, and I was so empty. I mean, it took literally to Wednesday to feel like myself again." And right. I, I was so empty and so depressed. I would go um, on uh, Monday mornings and I would go to Ruby's, which is a California restaurant, and I would have cinnamon roll French toast, which is the most decadent, carb-loaded, sugary, yeah. ridiculous thing. And then, this is for breakfast, and then I would have an ice cream Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe maybe there's a problem. But But what I <laughs> noticed was the more the church like succeeded and the bigger the church got, like the worse I felt. And I didn't, I didn't notice it at the time. I just thought, okay, well, this is God keeping me humble. Mm. And and it certainly could Mm. have been some of that, but I think there was something else going on too. And so this guy, I mean, if you, if you like to your eyes, this is the least likely candidate for, you know, suicide, young, vibrant, uh, kids ministry all that stuff and yet you know whatever whatever it was 12 13 14 days after he preaches the sermon hmm. um you know he takes his own life and and right. and, and the thing that uh, the thing that resonated was was somebody tweeted out um uh, it's not that people want to die it's just they they want relief
1: right Right, and it seems like everything you try while living doesn't work. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I mean that's it's um, you know, there's there is there's absolutely a spiritual conversation here. You know, an existence yep. of another will. You know, yep. that's taking place, exactly. in which you're faced up against, and that's yep. that's happening. And, and of course, I think there's also the, you know, the social pressures that around someone put in that kind of position in which then you also feel emotionally tied to meaning like, yeah. okay, I'm, I'm this CEO, I'm this senior pastor, I'm this leader, the responsibilities that are on me now that the church is growing, it increases right. with its responsibilities, right? right? And, I mean, you and then you question, I mean... You know, you see, there's and there's enough history of of other CEOs of big businesses and corporations who fall a lot to the same depression and to the same like ultimate failures. Now, some of them may not ultimately end in suicide, but I would venture to guess that the level of depression and anxiety and all of that is not actually so different. So I think that would be a pretty accurate social observation, you know, Mm. to look at from the in the business context Mm. of like when you when you give this kind of responsibility under this kind, especially in the church where the role is servanthood. Right. You know, you feel this this like this indebtedness to your community and your people of like if I do this wrong, it's not just like I blew up my business that I started where I'm selling products. Mm-hmm. It's it feels like people's lives at stake, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. yep. I mean that's right. And granted there's businesses where lives are at stake. I mean, obviously like, you know, car creators and medicine. Um, SpaceX and in medicine and all those things are there. Yeah. Um, so I would probably sim- assimilate probably a lot of similar pressures that you actually see now. And there's so many attributing factors we're starting to observe, like, you know, the, the digital anxiety that we experience from constant social media, the right. over-ingestion of information. I mean, it's literally so stacked against us on yeah. so many stinking levels. Right. And you have to take all that into consideration when you start these conversations, right? Right. Um, we went through, uh, we did a workshop um, at the church with Carrie, and man, she hit this one aspect of conversation that I thought was so stinking good. Um, she referenced this other guy; I don't have his name right now, um, but he observed the data research on what happened from post-war Vietnam vets that basically came back because a lot of them got addicted to heroin mm-hmm. and like other kind of addictions, like in that um, that war period from being over there, and they found that when when people came back, if if you isolated your addicts and you isolated those who were going through a problem, like they had to go somewhere else to deal with the problem, they found far less success in recovery hmm. than those who were brought into the community and maintained connection with people who are compassionate and loving towards people recovering from that situation. Hmm. So it's you know I I I read in the article how you know he he went away for a sabbatical to kind of deal with it right I yeah. mean we look at yeah. we look at isolation or rejection in some ways as a way of trying to solve these kinds of problems and that's just not it right. you know it's it's like Learn it's us. I think it's the church, and I think it's family members. I think it's friends. You have to push into connection and really provide a ton of space to understand the problem in order to really do it. But it's like if we're not, but then you have to start taking an inventory. If you're on the other end and you're dealing with the depression, you have to start taking almost an inventory of what your life is connected to. Where is the time you're investing to be connected with what and what space have you made? Because if you're just constantly finding yourself in isolation, that's where that is where that spiritual warfare is going to take off, right? Yeah. 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 So,
0: so there's, and you're absolutely right that there it's so multifaceted, right? It's his personal uh, medical history, his personal personality, his. Right. But but there are other things, and that's what you're pointing out. So on the one hand, there's just the the culture that is growing increasingly, um, uh, not only just anxious anxious uh, anxiety producing, but an anxiety provoking and anxiety right. like it, it just floods through the system from you know John Mark's cultural moment podcast. They did right, a Mark, Mark Sayer's
1: that. talked about this. Yeah, it's yeah. so good, so good.
0: Um, but, but then there's, and you've identified this too, then, then, then there's the church issue. Um, is, is that just too much to put on one, one person? And, and, uh, as someone who's been that person, I, I loved it. Uh, you know, I, I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, for, for, um, those of us who love being the center of attention, man, being the center of attention is pretty, pretty heady stuff, but there's this, <laughs> but, but there's this other thing. That uh, I mean, I I absolutely resonated with, and then and then of course I read something that was tweeted out: six ways to fight when depression descends. Okay. Okay.
1: Right. So here we go. Here we go. <laughs> I'm holding my breath. If this is going to be good or bad. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll
0: see. <laughs> okay. Find trusted spiritual friends. Great. Open your mm-hmm. soul to them. Okay. Easier said than done. Yeah. Ask them to pray with you, okay? Pour out your soul to the Father, okay? Rest okay. in the sovereign wisdom of God and fix your mm. eyes on the joy set before you and the precious promises of God.
1: Mm.
0: Now, now, it sounds like this was written by somebody who's never experienced depression whatsoever. And if it were helpful, it would be helpful in situational depression. It would not be helpful in clinical depression. So situational yes. depression is, man, I hate my job. And, you know, for the next several months, you're just in this funk. But right. when the job changes, you change.
1: Nothing changed. Yeah. Oh, right, right.
0: Yeah. Um, and, and, and absolutely, man. Try, spiritual friends, open your soul to them. Ask them for prayer. Pray to the Father. Rest in the sovereign wisdom of God. Fix your eyes in the joy set before you. But good Lord for somebody who, so, so if you tell these to uh, somebody like Andrew, okay. So here's Andrew wrestling with whether or not to take his own life. And the advice you give him is this advice.
1: Does the, that fix your eyes on the joy set before you? Look <laughs> at what your church is doing. Look at all the people you influence. It's like, yeah, that's why. That's why I'm feeling a lot of pressure here. Right, but I mean, it's right, just like it's, right. it, it, well, dude. When you're wrestling with depression, nothing seems joyful. You're right. like, what do I set my eyes on when nothing seems joyful?
0: And when you're and when you're anxious, and this is the one I'm most familiar with, is it's to fix your eyes on anything. Like your thoughts are racing. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've you know, I've I've ended up on my the floor of my house just curled up because my brain just feels like it's going haywire. I mean, the last thing yeah. I can sit there and do is fix my eyes on the joint. No, I'm not saying that any of these things are bad.
1: I'm just saying look at how they can be used. Right? It's just a bad prescription. You know, it's like it's like going to the doctor's like, yeah, those 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 you can prescribe those things, like you said, situationally and, and there may be and they might work themselves out for some people who, who have a certain orientation of receiving that kind of thing, you know? But I mean, you can't blanket those seven things. That doesn't work. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it was just interesting because I'm like,
0: first of all, so let's say you do all of them. Does that guarantee that you're out of your depression? No. no. Um, no. And if you do all of them and you are still depressed, what's the natural conclusion you're going to draw? Either it God is letting you down. Or you've messed it up,
1: right? Right. Somehow
0: you didn't do you didn't rest enough in the wisdom of God. You didn't fix your eyes on the joy set before you enough.
1: Right. Yeah. Like I've my I've hinged a lot of my like when I get in the hole on my kind of three Mondays per month where I crash. Mm-hmm. It feels like I have I can't put my finger on my value. Hmm. You know, it's like I I wrestle with. You know how do I maintain a certain, like a certain amount of self-esteem and value, right? Because it's, I I, t- I try to start taking stock and in inventory and like, okay, what have what have other people said about me that I can hold on to so I can see value in it because I don't see any value in myself right now. Right. Right. And so it's, but the thing is that ninety nine percent of the time happens in isolation for me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like if I'm sitting with a friend. On a right. Monday, right? The thoughts don't even come into my mind. Yeah. like the whole you know the whole thing is just turned over. So it's yeah. just it's kind of these, you know, right? And it's like when I'm spinning and that kind of feeling, it, mm-hmm. it just you don't those things don't it, the the con. I mean, and that's a this. It's a mixture of both, like warring against myself because I'm trying to put a finger on how do how do I really understand what I'm doing is important mm-hmm. and worth doing. What's defining the worth of my work, right? But then I can't, and sometimes I can't even convince myself that that's true, you know, when I'm feeling that way. It just feels like, I feel like I could step away from whatever I'm doing and it just really wouldn't matter. Right. Now, whether that's true or not, that's actually how I feel. Right. Right. And so, um, but it's like where, you know, then you have to ask, well, how did, how, how did I become such a person where that could be such a true feeling, Mm. right? When it's just, if I look Mm. around my life, it just isn't true. Right. right? Like, it's like, yeah, of course, if, if I ended my life, my, obviously like the hole I would leave in my family, you know, like my wife, my three kids, yep. you know, like what I'm doing, like at the church and like mm-hmm. the relationships and friendships I have there. I mean, like when I start to stack it against, like obviously like that would be a really big deal of yeah. a, bu- a huge value would be lost. But for whatever reason, I still feel that way. And I have a very hard time convincing myself otherwise in those mm-hmm. moments. Mm-hmm. So when I hear those seven kinds of things and I filter it through that, like knowing when I deal with that kind of thing, I'm like. You see, if I don't have, if I don't think that I'm valuable, then none of that stuff really matters.
0: Hmm. Yeah, no, I, and, and it's so hard because some of what's said here is absolutely true. You should have people praying for you. You should have trusted right. spiritual friends. Absolutely. The problem is when the trusted spiritual friends just give you this stuff. <laughs> Andy on Mondays just yeah. pour out your soul to the Father okay I mean it, it, so so one problem is you can do all of these and still be depressed another right. problem is if um, if you are depressed and you've done all of these then you're you're gonna blame God or blame yourself um, a, a third problem is it implies that that your depression, um, is coming from the fact that you're not doing these things, mm-hmm. you know, that if you right. if you just kind of lived your life in that kind of way, you wouldn't be depressed. Now, right. certainly if you lived your life resting in the wisdom of God and fixing your eyes on joy, I mean, absolutely, I'd, life would be better. Right. No question about it. Right. But um, the last problem with it is <laughs> when you're anxious or when you're depressed, Andy, are any of these things the things that are easy? No. No. <laughs> nope. I'm 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 just like you man. I, I isolate. That is that is when I start pulling away, not sharing because of pride or because I'm embarrassed or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um that's when I'm I'm in absolute utter danger. But but the, the I don't have the emotional reserve in that moment to lean in. Right. To trust in spiritual friends and to open my soul. You know what I mean? Right. Right. And, um, and so it was just one of those things. It's like,
1: ah. Uh. Well, the, and my, my, my trouble at the core of those, that issue of that prescription is that it puts all of the work on the person who's dealing with it, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't talk about um, if like, because there's two angles you play. You can prescribe, like the, what I constantly find is there's not a lot of prescription for if you are a family or a community around people who are yeah. suffering from depression and anxiety, and what to do now. Yeah, um, you know, whatever. A month ago, I sent you an article from Gospel Coalition yep. that I thought was outrageously fantastic. Yeah. Like the stuff that was said in that article, I was like, that's exactly like, in my experience, that's actually been helpful. And it wasn't these like seven things. I mean, there right. are all these nuanced things of being like, if you see this happening in your church and you're someone who's a friend of someone who's going through something, the it, it largely looked like the responsibility for you is to press in. Like don't mm-hmm. allow that person to become isolated. It actually becomes a pursuit of, if you know these people... You know, it's more so like you, you know, seek to, you know, to be around, like, even if you're in the house with someone who's going through it in that moment, that is still a better situation. Like, well, I'm just going to leave you to it and I'll come back later or whatever. It's like, no, like, I mean, it's, it's sitting Shiva. It's that stuff we've talked about. Mm -hmm. Like there is actual value in almost like the spiritual sense of, of communal presence, you know, when someone is going through those types of things. Right. And so that's where it's, you can't like you know if 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 anything it's like the i don't know for me it's like two things if you find yourself dealing with depression and anxiety it's really like w- with whatever you can find help you know tell somebody like it's mm-hmm. like start that's where it starts and then the hope is that you're telling someone who will respond in such a way right, right? but that's that's the danger that's the fear is how do I know people will be able to support me as I'm going through this? Right. Yeah. Because yeah. especially if you've got, especially if you got a problematic family dynamic too, right? If you feel like you can't totally. trust your family, or if you totally. feel like you've had a bad history with your family and relationships and emotions, and likewise with friends, likewise with church. And then so therefore you're just like, what's the point? You right. know, it's like I can't, even if I tell somebody, you know, and but I think that's why there is such a responsibility for. Churches to have public conversations about this because mm-hmm. people need to realize they're engaging that seriously, and so yeah. it's like when people do speak up and need the help, we're ready to hear it, right? Not yep. just thinking, oh, your, your walk is off, right?
0: Well, and, and that's where this stuff, you know, when 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 the wife apologized for the people, you know, he felt betrayed and hurt by other people, and and it's yeah. very often not mean, but it's very often this kind of thing. I mean, I remember. In the middle of my darkness, somebody just said, well, if you're, if you're fearful and anxious now, how will you be fearful? How will you respond when something really bad happens to you?
1: Oh God.
0: And, and in, in one sense, they're right because, but, but in another sense, um, like we feel, I feel enough shame. I don't need more shame. I I feel totally ashamed. I feel embarrassed. I feel humiliated. I don't need more like, Hey, you should. I, I know I do that to myself. That's part of the issue. Is right. I know I'm looking at my life, going, why the hell do I feel this way? But I feel this yeah. way,
1: right? And, I, right? and that
0: I shouldn't. I'm I'm one of the most blessed people in the history of the planet. But um, uh, you know, it, it, that that sort of that sort of thing it doesn't help. I mean, the I'll never forget I my the first time I went through this was years and years and years ago, and it was the middle of this church that was exploding, and he was an older guy. And uh, I didn't know what this was. So I mean, I had no idea. And he came over when it would, when, when it was unbelievable. I mean, I was, I was, my, my thoughts were racing. I couldn't get my heart rate under control. I mean, it was just crazy. And he just sat across the table from me. He just sat there. And he said, just tell me how it feels. It feels yeah. like this. Yeah, man, I know, I know exactly what that feels like. It feels like this, like he, he wasn't, uh, I, I mean, you know, the whole, like me too, not just the movement, but the words, right. That's the power of, of, um, of Alcoholics Anonymous or, um, uh, any of those recovery groups is that someone sitting there next to you who knows exactly what it feels like. Right. And who's made it. And so here's this guy and he never, he never fixed. He never gave advice. He just sat there. He's like, yeah, I know how that feels. And the idea What it opened up in me was the possibility that I'm not insane. Right. Right? Right. That there's something else besides my neuroses going on here. Now, whether that's a spiritual thing, which it is, whether that's like the world we live in, which it is, of course, or in the case of Andrew and in the case of just my small experience with it, it's it's also an issue of how we've set up church and how it is that uh, an entire verdict is rendered on a church mm-hmm. by the performance of one person trying to teach the Bible every week and that, that the pressure and the stakes and the money, all of that becomes so high that, you know, if you really mess up, man, you're going to lose people. Right. I mean, it's right. it's so, and, and, and I was immersed in this world. So, I know this world. I love this world. I mean, if somebody sticks me in front of 15,000 people, I'd say yes instantly. But, um, I've, I've seen the dark side of it and, and I'm mm-hmm. looking at this guy because it's not just about mental illness. It's about what we do as a church and how we are to people in the middle of this. And what kind of expectations do we put on people who are on stage? Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. And, oh yeah, and, 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 and are we, and I mean this very, very, you know, broadly, are we complicit in, um, a pastor who feels so hopeless that he can't go anywhere with this information.
1: Right. I have and, a, it's like, and I have a hard, I, I have a hard time. I have a hard time saying otherwise, Right, you know, because it's like, it's, you know, yeah, it's like, yeah, you don't want to put, you feel bad, like saying to like, you know, cause this, this carries into consumeristic mindset of the church. It carries into Absolutely. all of that. I mean, it, because it's like, well, I'm not like guilting society here, but in a way it's like, the irony here's the irony of consumerism in the church is that you could choose to do it differently and yet you don't like it's just almost you give yourself over to the slavery of the model but then you act consumeristically when you don't like it and you just choose to go somewhere else right. so but it's like that's that's a model for how the rest of the thing works it's like if we all took this seriously communally, you could make the choices to do it differently. Right. But it's like if you don't take it seriously and you don't want to put in the work, then it's just like I, I don't then it's just laziness. And but I, people but people
0: anything. are just going to financially support the rock star celebrity momentum model. Right. Though that's where that's where the big money is and that's why we
1: do it. Right. I mean, yeah, it's it it has been. It has been. It has I mean, you been know, It has been. I'd be curious to see where it goes. Otherwise, I saw someone post something I thought was really interesting. It was like, and this is all relevant. It sounds tangent, but it's not like you know it was like we get real excited to buy money to spend money on big brand things that come out right like oh this celebrity released a product so i'm going to go buy that but yet we're so slow to invest and give money to a relative who's starting a small business mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's like that's mm-hmm. that's the same thing we're talking about here it's like right. because it's got a name on it and because you you instantly by by handing some a part of yourself over to it you now feel like you're a part of it when in fact that larger piece isn't even giving you the whole value back, right, right? right? And so it's just, but it's just perpetuated along the way because we've kind of lived in this mindset for for better or for worse for 10 years of thinking, you know, everybody wants to be a part of something bigger than themselves, right? And we've which we totally. just say it's a true thing. Yeah. But then again, when did that become an idealized morality? When did that become something that's like we should be pursuing? Why do we need to feel like we're something that's bigger than ourselves? It's like God is big enough. I mean, when we look at Paul, he's talking about becoming smaller, becoming weaker, so right. that Jesus' power really exists. If anything, it's like, how do I, you know, how do I realize the fullness of like my my smallest no. self I don't
0: need <laughs> No. I rebuke that in Jesus' name, man. Come on. You know? You can't so run a just- church. You can't run a church thinking about how to make yourself smaller. <laughs> That's not how it works, bro. That's what they say. Have you been listening to um, the startup podcast on the church plant?
1: Yeah, I listened to the whole thing. Yeah. I had to.
0: Yeah, of course you did. Not not only (laughs) because it was your idea first, okay? Startup (laughs) startups a podcast that that they talk about the beginnings of things. And it's really, it's story formatted. It's really, really cool. So they did one on a church plant. And what was fascinating is that the almost exclusive topic of conversation was about how you grow numbers of people. And, and, and of course, that's what it is. Of course, when we started Vox, that was a, that was a, an issue, right? Is how you gotta, you gotta have a donor base. Of course you do. And that's not wrong
1: to care about that stuff, but, right. but it, it is, it, 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 go ahead. Well, the, yeah, the interesting thing about the show is that they, um, I think they did a fair job of, uh, the producer, Eric Mendel, he, um, you know, a lot of it was him sharing his own journey. I mean, he's like, he's definitely like in a deconstructive state for sure. Right. right and then he's, right. he's working with this, uh, pastor that was, a part of Acts 29 in a, of a church, but mm. down somewhere in the South. And he was, they were even thinking, well, now we might not be able to be a part of them because of some of our theological, like, you know, directions that we're going. But it, um, it, yeah, the, the, the tension, the tension narrative that we're talking about was just this idea of like, it, they kind of, he kind of traced their story through like a, a summer season in which it was dipping. And so it was the pressure mm-hmm. of that pastor was, because he picked up the torch where a pastor before that started his church left.
0: So the, church oh, handed idiots.
1: To him. so the church was handed to him and then now he's like, he was, and he was like the minority white guy in a black church. Like the majority of the church is black. Right. So there's right. all of these crazy dynamics happening here. I'm just, I'll just say this, you know, to let it go, but I still was pretty disappointed in the show overall. It just, it, there was so many great things to be discussed there. And I just think they, yeah. they, they could have gone so much deeper on it. Absolutely. Of course, right.
0: But, but what drove the conversation?
1: What drove the narrative arc? What was the tension? The drama. Well, yeah, the drama was based on, is this church going to make it because of like numbers and money coming in?
0: Yeah. And and is that legit? Of course it's legit. Absolutely. We need money and absolutely we need resources. No question. That's not the point. The point rather is, have we, our imaginations been captured by such a, a hollow, shallow view of what churches and pastors are. And, mm-hmm. and, and one of the reasons for that is that's what gets financially rewarded. So, to your point about rewarding small businesses, we need a small church Sunday. So, you know how we have, like on Black Friday, you have like a small business Saturday. You know, we need like a small church Sunday where everyone just goes and gives loads of money to small churches. And, and it's just like, hey, you know, by the way, totally, totally rewarding. So, so for me, this conversation stretches across just the personal grieving of this man and his family, I cannot even imagine, but, but, but beyond that, it's how do we as a church community, how we as a church relate to the people on, on the platforms and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, as he's talking about, Hey, the budget's great and people are coming. And then that becomes, that becomes a trap. And no one's courageous enough to say, "Hey, dude you you should only preach like twice a month." Um, right. You know what I mean? Because that, yep. right? Uh, yeah. Even though that'd be way healthier for him, uh, that's messing with uh, messing with like God's favor, or the the horse that's driving this thing, or whatever. Right? It's so there's so much risk mm-hmm. in in not giving people what they want. And so, um, at, so I sit and look at this thing from so many different so many different angles because my heart just breaks for the whole thing for, you know, and do you send him on sabbatical? I mean, is that like to your isolation point? Like if I were in the middle of something like that, I would want to go on sabbatical, but in a way that would be the worst thing for me.
1: Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. No, and that's what I mean. I mean, I think there's, it's, you know, if there's a, an experience to be had, like, I mean, I think there's nuance to how you accomplish this task. Sabbatical, I think is absolutely a great thing for pastors to be taking, but under these kinds of circumstances, it's more like, okay, well, how do, where do we look for relief? How do we get the relief that you need? And is it like, yeah, you just need to come off the stage for a month, but right. like, you know, you don't just take, get off the stage and then hide for a month. It's well, like, no, well, get off the stage. No, because and then, like, what
0: you've done is you've, you're starving the addict of yeah. Of of what lifts them out
1: of depression, right, right, and then so yeah, so you start to create that binary, like you know, almost more dynamic. I got to get back to the thing, right? Right. I mean, I I mean, the thing is, it's I think, and also what we're talking about here is that, and and honestly, yeah, you've done this, you've done this well, like over the years of of like having this aspect of transparency and reality of like I'm on the stage today, I'm feeling pretty bad, (laughs) you know, and it's just like yeah, this week was not a good week. And, but you know, like many of you, I'm here and yeah, it's like my role today is I'm teaching you this text. You know, it doesn't like, that's the thing. It's not like the problem is if you're sitting in the, if you're sitting in the room and you think, oh, well, that's not okay. I need you to be in a better place so you can teach me this text. Right. You see, then that's, that's that's the issue. That's the issue. Yes.
0: is selective vulnerability. So I'm good if I used to struggle with depression. Yes. I'm good if I used to struggle with anxiety. But to to stand up and say, you know, I didn't prepare um, and I'm a mess and we're just going to sing today because like I was awake all night and I couldn't control my thoughts. Right. You know, it's like, it's like, I mean, I have a friend of mine. Okay. So he's a dear, dear friend of mine and he works for a a very well-known Christian institution. He had been, he, he and I have shared a struggle Um, with pornography for years and years and years and years. I mean, you know, he and I go back decades. And he was in the middle of a season of just incredible success in that fight. Mm -hmm. Um, He yields to that temptation uh, one day for like 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And and then later he gets this scam email and, and evidently these are going around all over the place. I know actually somebody else who's, Fallen prey to this, but they say, "Hey, we actually have a video of you watching, oh. um, and we'll send it out unless yeah. you do X, Y, and Z." So my friend went to the the head of this institution and and confessed, "Hey, you know this? There's this thing, and there's this email, and and then four hours later, he was fired. No discussion, <sighs> no nothing,
1: nothing. Yeah, and unreal
0: un." freaking real. No, I'm not saying holiness doesn't matter. And I'm not saying that Christians should have, uh, the, the leaders should have like higher expectations for those people. Okay, great. All of that's true. Let's just say all of that's true. But last right. time I checked sinlessness wasn't one of the requirements. And so, what are you going to do when your favorite Christian leader sins, right? Because they're right. gonna. But we've right. created a Christian culture where you can't say that. What you I, I can say, I can absolutely say in front of a church. Hey, guys, I used to struggle with pornography. What I could not say is, hey, yesterday morning before the family got up, I, I looked at pornography and masturbated. Yeah. But here I am preaching, right? Right. What? So so, and that's a hypothetical. That is yeah. totally hypothetical. Um. Right. Uh, so you could never say that. I mean, this. See, this is this is endemic uh, of this inc- this incredible. Uh, we don't like and, and the and the because I hear people responding the opposite of this isn't just saying, "Well, your sin is your sin, and you're fine, and don't worry about it." Right, That's right, not what we're saying yeah, yeah, either, yeah. right? But for for a guy to be summarily fired <laughs> without any because he brought it forward, I mean, it's just right. like, come on. This is absolutely right. nuts. So I can imagine, I, I and I am totally guessing here, but this guy puts his heart on his sleeve in front of his church, and I have no idea the reaction he got. I, I mean, right. maybe the church was phenomenal. It sounds like the leadership was—they sent him on sabbatical, they gave him grace. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Nothing about that. I know nothing about that. But you can't help but wonder what were, what were the betrayals he felt? You know, what were the what were the hard things that that were said that were meant well? Hey, fix your eyes on the joy set sure. before you and the precious promises of God. Well, right. that's that's awesome, except I feel like God's abandoned me. God's absent. I feel like my brain's going crazy and God doesn't answer my prayers. Right. So, to just willpower myself to fix my eyes on the joy, well, okay. <laughs> I mean, right. it's just right. absolutely yeah, crazy. Answer, I,
1: I've, I've yet to see the success of depression come down to self-will, right? That's I part mean, of like, the problem.
0: Exactly. Right. So, if it's situational, you know. if it's situational, this is great advice. Like, absolutely, open up, pray, have people caring with you, talk, absolutely. But but any list that doesn't mention counseling, therapy, or medication isn't a legitimate list uh, spiritually. You
1: right. know what
0: I mean? Like, the, the idea is that this is some sort of spiritual list, and you're like, no, it's actually not spiritual. Because Gnosticism is this ancient heresy that 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 separated the body and the soul? The soul was precious before God; the body was not so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and anything that's not embodied, when it comes to advice given by Christians to the world or to anybody else, if it's not embodied, then it's Gnostic. So this is beautifully Gnostic, mm-hmm. because look at look at all of this. Open your soul. Pour out your soul. Ask them to pray. Rest in the wisdom. Fix your eyes on the joy. Right. You know nothing, nothing, nothing about um, your body chemistry. Nothing about exercise. Nothing about yeah, sunshine.
1: Nothing about, I mean, not neurology. Nothing about like community it, and connection. Yeah. Like.
0: <laughs> now they tweeted out after this article got bashed. They're like, these aren't not meant to be exhaustive.
1: But, but. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh, these weren't, these weren't really meant to be taken seriously. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, I,
0: you know, it's, it's just one of those, it's one of those things where this, this is really, it it hit me. Not that I've ever, ever been at that place. Never have I been at that place, but I've been in some dark places myself and I, and I know how ridiculous when I look back at some of what I was going through last year, um, and some of the ways I was thinking, I mean, they were just warped and twisted and I couldn't, I couldn't see beyond my own, you know, stuff. Right. And I resisted medication for, <laughs> for months with this. um, And, and, you know, I finally changed uh, uh, one medication and started taking some short acting stuff and all of a sudden, oh, okay, things calmed down. Now that, I wish that weren't true. I don't like that. Right. I'm, right? I'm embarrassed by that. I'd much rather be the kind of person that isn't taken over by irrational fear. I mean, that's just right. ridiculous, right? But <laughs> <laughs> the, the the time to rest in God and fix my eyes, that's kind of after like the biology is settled. You know what I mean? It's like, and that right. was the big argument that, that convinced me to take meds was- right. You can't, you can't do any of the deep soul work when you're feeling this way. Mm -hmm. Um, Now that's not true of everybody and I'm not giving counseling advice. I'm just saying for me, like once the medicine kicked in, then I was able to do the list.
1: Right. Do you know what I mean? Well, you know, I mean, yeah, absolutely. But here's one of the, here's one of the things like, I feel like I mean, I've brought it more recently in conversations and something I'd probably spend, I'd love to spend more time talking about is, you know, you know, Paul talks about we're at war with the flesh, right? right. You know, it's like, we can, you know, I think a lot of um, contemporary kind of, uh, whatever, I don't know the right word for this, but on it, the conversation of like, usually trying to understand your influence in a moral sphere is either, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm operating and walking in God's will or I'm being attacked by the enemy. But we don't talk about like being at war mm-hmm. with man or being at war with ourselves, right? Which right. has to do with like if we, if we appreciate like the fall of man and actually the 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 long term degradation of the human body you know of like of the world itself of nature and you factor in those things you realize there is this other war that's kind of taking place like mm-hmm. it's like i it's as as a free will person I can choose one of two influences most of the time. My, either God influences me or the devil has influenced me. However, our bodies, when we become addicted to something or if we're dealing with a like form of depression, sometimes I feel like the devil almost puts his hand off because like I don't even need to do anything here. But see, that's it's Gnostic.
0: Like, the Gnostic thought is here's the angel on my shoulder and here's the devil. And it's just right. a will. It's just an abstract decision about my soul.
1: Right, right. So, but it's it's. I think what I'm saying is that we have to appreciate that God is like you're. You there's an there's a certain intelligence that is understood in nature. Like you, you have the ability to know when your body is not right. Hmm. And it's like, and in human agency is that it working towards the flourishing of human people works together in order to remedy those things. And it's like, that is still an outworking of God's will, but it might not necessarily be spiritually influential in that moment. Right. But like making the decision to exercise, making the decision to seek medication if it's appropriate, making those decisions is, is acknowledging that it's like, I, I am at war even with my own body as right. I'm decreasingly getting Absolutely. worse in health through the rest of my life, right? And you can't just be like, oh man, that's just spiritual warfare. That's the devil against me. It's Correct. Like, actually, there's, there's just a little bit of intelligence here you can exercise to realize <laughs> if you exercise, you will feel better. It's a release of serotonin in your body. There's understanding with the neurology of all this stuff. I mean, there's, yeah. there's actual, in, like just factual, biological information we have to understand. But it's like, if you choose, It's like, yeah, we have to fight against our bodies. It's part of the fall, you know, but then the spiritual war, that's also this other thing. So that's what, that's my point is that there's usually three wills and often we we dumb it down to two. Mm -hmm. And so we don't, and we don't take that other one as seriously sometimes Mm -hmm. of like realizing, you know, we have to actually work with our flesh a little bit to work against that so that almost we can be influenced well, right? Which is what we're saying. If you can get your biology a bit in line and work on that, then it is, then yes, you can start to enter like. An understanding of where you're gathering your spiritual influence, and be able to, yeah, like celebrate the joy in God, and look at those things. But if your body is at war with itself, man, that is, it's not. It's so much easier said than done.
0: Yeah. No. Well said, man. So if you're the if you're the praying type of person, um, if you're a praying type of person, um, uh, this guy named uh, Andrew and um, I don't remember his wife's name. Um. I think it was Kyla, Kayla,
1: Kayla. Yeah. I, think. Well, I have the article up here. I me mean, cycle through. Uh, yeah, Kayla.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, unbelievable. And 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 we're not. All we're trying to do is identify um, things that contribute to people feeling so alone in in those situations. Um, the modern job description of the uh, job description of the CEO pastor, who's everything to everybody the the frenetic pace of life, the expectations of a church, um, on on and the and and the and the you know implicit agreement of the person on the platform with the expectations of the church that yes I am capable of this glorious awesomeness, um, you know those sorts of things are the things that spill over and you go my goodness we have to become and and the good news is is we are. Uh, but we have to become the kinds of people who rather than send this guy away on sabbatical, you just simply say, okay, well fa- fantastic then then let's let's take over some of your job responsibilities, but don't go anywhere
1: right right you know, yeah. let us just sit yeah. just
0: just show up or don't show up. that's fine and we'll just you know we'll just come over yeah. and we'll just sit there and and we'll be with you but we're not leaving right. you and you don't have right. to come leave us that. to get better
1: right. Iso, like isolation is different than than solidarity, right? And, solitude, and it's yes. like it's solitude. Sorry, it's it's like, and that's the thing. I think there's absolute great reason to take solitude, yes. but not when you're in an unhealthy state like this, because that's a, that just becomes isolation, right? You know, and so it's like there's there's a difference, and I, yeah, I think if yeah, I put number one at the top of that list instead. It's like yeah, if you're if you're walking along, someone or someone's confessed to you that they're dealing with depression, immediately being like. Okay, let's talk about let's talk about when you're isolated, and let's let's get let's get you out of that and start there. You know, and then you're starting the conversations, and then you're finding all that other stuff. But like, it's just people left alone in these circumstances, it just it wreaks havoc.
0: And and the people aren't going to want to be with other people. I never wanted right. to be with other people. So there were right. times like you or Robles or whoever would show up at my house and just sit there.
1: Yeah, you
0: know what I mean. Yep. Because I just yeah. Ah. Uh, Oh, so hard. So right. you know,
1: because it's like, I, to be honest, it's it's especially as a pastor, um, man. Because I, you know, when I worked at Apple for five years, I did not deal with my depression. I did not. My depression was definitely on the low pole. Like it was. <laughs> but I mean, like I was in. I was going to work every day, almost yep. seeing groups of people every day. I lived with roommates. I mean, yep. it was just like I couldn't. The thing is, I almost couldn't be isolated if I tried. Right, you know that's that's the thing, and it it, it kind of safeguarded, you know. I think that and maybe left it dormant because I probably I wasn't dealing with the issues that definitely take me into like my depression. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't. It probably wasn't until the past like few years, you know, where more of my workloads became a bit more autonomous. My with some of the staffs I worked on weren't as um, saturated, so it was just like, oh, I'm yeah. in this office by myself for friggin' six hours, and I might see a couple people. Like, I'd have to really try to go talk to other people to find yeah. conversations. They just they just weren't in front of me. Yep. And I kind have questioned like my own personal health of being like, I don't know, maybe like, how how seriously do I take that? Realizing that that mm-hmm. kind of communal. Lack of community work environment is that really the healthiest thing for me? Yeah, you know yeah. it's like the work is worth it, but that's that's just the question. Is the work really worth it? If it ends up taking your life or taking your family away from you, is it worth it? Right right? Come on. So yeah
0: oh, Andy, all right, do our so, blessing, would you?
1: Oh, let's wrap it. You got it.
0: You got it. Are you rusty?
1: (laughs) Am I? Am I rusty? I don't. You know, it's. I'm always rusty. How about that? We'll just see. We just see what happens. Perfect. You know, apologies and grace first. Yes. All right. Well, this was fun. I appreciated this.
0: Oh man, love you, Andy Bear. Thanks so much for talking about about this issue. Yeah.
1: All right, for all of you out there, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine His face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance to you and give you peace. amen in these days amen hey Hey, that's rusty that was awesome all right brothers and sisters we'll see you later